Today's message, taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is the will of God in Christ Jesus for us. 2020 is the fastest, fast approaching. Um, there's so many things that we've, we've done in this year, 2019. Some of the things have come our way. Some of the things that have been challenging. There's been so many ups, ups and downs. So many things that have tested our faith. Um, we've been going through the book of James. I'm looking about trials and the testings of life and how God himself brings those trials to strengthen us and to, to prove our faith and help us to persevere. Today I just wanted to bring an encouragement to us from uh, 1 Thessalonians um, regarding some of the things we may encounter in, in 2020, um, but how we should remain steadfast in the Lord, um, how we should rejoice always, how we should praise him always, give thanks always, pray always. Um, and those are things that I just want to encourage us with. Um, but 20 years ago, uh, we remember the, the Y2K bug, um, which was very rampant before the year 2000, how everyone was rushing around and because um, the clocks, once the, once the clocks changed over, over and the day changed over, everyone thought all the computers would break down. Um, because the computers hadn't been programmed in such a way that once it turned zero, zero, it might return back to the 1900s. So everyone was fearful, right? So we had, you know, the NHS, which is uh, cash strapped to them at that time. They, they, they said they needed about 100 million to update their computer systems in order to avoid this chaos on the first day, right? Um, they were thinking, right, there's gonna be, the waiting list is going to be extended even more. Um, patient records and even intensive care monitoring would be affected. Um, uh, this was called essentially the Millennium Meltdown. It was such a huge thing. I think I was probably 13 at the time, and for me, I couldn't quite understand it, but I thought, okay, what's this about? It's just one day is going to change, and everyone's is so fearful as to what's going to happen. And we fast forward, so that was, I mean, we're leading up to year 2000, right? So the first day, which was a Saturday, 2000, those fears totally wiped away. All that prelude, all that fear, all that, you know, worrying and anxiety, just moments later, all squashed. So that the fears of the millennial meltdown caused by computers crashing, as we, we saw countries like New Zealand, they, they, they entered first into, into the millennium, Aviation, the telecommunications, electricity, everything was working normally. There was no issues at all. Then next, the Australian government also, they said no major problems had, had been reported as the, the country ticked over to the year 2000. And Japan appeared to, to even en enter without no, no issues also. The, the mobile phones obviously were possibly down, but that was possibly because of during Christmas and up to the New Year's, everyone's messaging each other. But no fear, nothing at all. But beforehand, just we can see everything was brewing towards that day. And it feels like we're at that moment again. We're entering into another decade. We've got Brexit looming, possibly, right? May happen, may not happen. Boris says yes. Fears are arousing again and anxieties outside of the things that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Um, just last week, left here... We had a really great time buzzing from the, the carols by the candlelight, 
Um, brother-in-law came with his wife, his missus. We had a great time. Everyone's fellowship at, at the back there. And then we leave, right? And I was thinking, okay, I'm just, my parents are back soon. Let me go and make sure that their car is, back, is, is, is okay, right? And um, I, I actually, I knew that the, the car was flat, but I thought, okay, I must sort it out before they arrive. So I went with my wife and little man. Uh, we went to, to try to jumpstart the car. It was fine. So I thought, I said to my wife, she had a car. I said, you, you go home with my son. Um, I'll follow behind. I just need to drive this around for about 40 minutes or so, 20, 25 to 40 minutes, just to make sure it doesn't come out again. Um, so I did that. Took a long way around from Erith all the way to Dartford. I got in the middle of the road, our house to the right, um, cars parked either side of the car. And I thought, let me just quickly offload, right? And um, I'm going into the house now. I've switched off the engine. I thought, why did I do that? Just in case it doesn't start again, right? So I put what I had in my hand into the house, came back. Car didn't start. I'm now stuck in the middle of the road. Um, and if, if you've been to our house before, it's like, this, it's quite busy. It's, it's not a busy road, but it's um, one of those um, that people you drive through to get through to the main road, right? So it's a shortcut. And T was nowhere to, my phone had died. And I thought, oh no, I'm, gonna, I'm stuck right now. Luckily she pulls up and I'm like, praise God, she's here. So I said, babe, this is what's happened. Um, we tried to start the car. The car wouldn't start. And it was flat. To cut a long story short, we waited about three hours for AA to come. So, okay, great. Okay, we're going to sit here. And I'm, I'm one of those people who are like, oh, why did I make that mistake? I don't like making mistakes. And uh, we just sat there. Wife was very patient. Elijah was extremely patient. And we just waited. Um, I'm just, okay, this is what the Lord has for us this evening. And all, everything was sorted out. This is probably about 9 o'clock. Everything's sorted out by 1 a.m. Christmas Day comes. We have a great time again. Church service. And then we have, um, we're about to leave my brother-in-law in Medway about 1 a.m. in the morning. Um, my parents give me a call. They've left before we have. And they said that their car has a flat tire. So I said, okay, cool. Okay, I'll, we'll, come, we'll come and get you. I get into my car. I move off. And I realised, oh, this is not right. The tyre's flat also. Um, so I go to check it, and I think, oh, strange, two cars. I mean, we were parked on the same road, ro uh, road but about 20 cars separate, separated us. Went to find where my parents were, and realised that actually someone had slashed their tyre, as well as my tyres as well. And no one else on that road had been affected. It's like, okay, what's happening? Fast forward to today, right? And we find that... We get into the car after, this is now Tamara's car, we get into the car after the service, the car's shaking. Oh, okay, what's happening? I check the dashboard, indicator comes on. Okay, I think it's water. We get home now. Um, and it's still shaking even after I put the more water in. I realise actually there's something else wrong with this car. I said all of that to say because you're going about life sometimes. You're you don't know what's around the corner, right? You don't know what tomorrow will bring. But what's for us to do? Should we complain? Should we be saddened? Or should we continue to rejoice and be glad in the Lord? Should we continue to do the things of God? Because the car is worth nothing when we compare it to our God, right? Our lives deserve, we des God deserves our praises. God deserves our joy. God deserves our praise. God is the most high and deserves us to rejoice in him. Amen. Um, so today I want to share 
from 1 Thessalonians. See, sometimes our worst fears doesn't happen or necessarily occur the way we desire or envisage them to. Sometimes life throws some curveballs, like the last few days, right? Every other day something's happened. It totally blindsides us. We don't know, you know, what tomorrow will bring. I don't know how I'm going to get to work, but God's going to provide a car, right? <laughs> but as soon as we, we'll soon see, we'll soon transition from 2019 to, to 2020. I wanted to encourage us with um, Paul's exhortation. What is God's will for you in 2020? Amongst all the predictions, the major has put forward about Brexit. Amongst your New Year resolution that surely you will make, you know, the changes that you want to do, the gym that you want to attend. Amongst the plans, the goals that 2020 you've you've desired to do. See, 2020 will come with so many challenges. It will come with so many good things, so many opposition, so many things that will occur at work, the positions that we'll face from non-Christians. There may be political legislation that are already in place that's coming that will affect our children and the way, you know, how we send them to school, which school we send them to and the, the, the things that are being taught at school. These things are coming. We also simply do not know what tomorrow, literally tomorrow, will bring. There are many things to be anxious about. We already have a picture of what we want 2020 to look like, but only God knows. See, Matthew 6.34 encourages us by saying this, Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Tomorrow has its own anxieties. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. See, we may not know what God's specific will is for us right now, or even for 2020, but his will for you, dear brothers and sisters, is always, always involves rejoicing always involves praying, always involves being thankful in all situations. So we look at the first point, to rejoice always in Christ. If we see in, in, in that chapter there, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, it says, rejoice always, and then it goes on to say, pray without season. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. That is the will of the Father in Christ Jesus. See, I've encountered many family, friends and acquaintances who, who have this bravado, right? That's, um, when you ask them how they are, it's often met with, you know, we're great, we're okay, we're fine, everything's dandy. And sometimes you can't really tell when they're sad, when things are, are, are going wrong in their lives, you know, when they're hurting when they're in pain, when they're in trouble. And there was a sense at times that, you know, that they can't afford to let their guards down. Often we keep, they're keeping appearances and no one, sure, no, they don't allow anyone to see their pain, their struggles, the hurt that they're experiencing. Often because they don't want to be vulnerable because maybe they've been hurt by people that they've shared with before. And people that just spoke them to. So sometimes it's difficult to then to, to expose themselves and say that this is how I'm really feeling. This is what I'm really going through. This is what I've walked through the last week, this last year. 
But Paul's writing here, writing here is saying rejoice always. And he's not saying put on your best smile through those, those difficult moments. He's not, he's not saying that. He's not saying, you know, come to church in your Sunday's best and pretend, you know, and smile it off. Show everyone at church that, yeah, everything is fine. Look at me. I'm okay. No, he's not saying that. There are those who have um, followed the movement which says you must always confess positive things, right? And that if you say anything negative to yourself or publicly, it's going to happen. And you can't afford to do that. You know, um, there's, a, there's a thought that even making a negative comment about yourself would expose you to that very thing. So when you've got a headache, it's like, no, I, I don't have a headache. My enemy has a headache, right? I don't know if you've heard that before. And in fact, you know, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, they're, they're not being real with themselves, really, are they? Every attempt is made that nothing robs them of their joy, in that sense, that they can't let anyone else see this pain. Sounds weird. But this is not what Paul is advocating. He's not saying that we should just go about with ever bouncing our steps when we're really hurting inside or when we've got issues that we're facing. He's not saying we should walk around either looking morose and, and our face just sunken. He's not saying that. That people without hope. But he is saying that in the midst of that worry, in that messy situation, in what seems this is tough, this is trying, this is testing, he's saying rejoice in Jesus. Rejoice in Jesus. That situation may not look joyful. It may not bring joy. But he's saying rejoice in Jesus. You see, we may, not find situation, we may not find joy in that situation, but we know that our joy is only full in Christ. See, God revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ. The person himself that personifies joy. He himself, the person of joy. Who for the joy that's... The, 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 um, the joy that was set before him endured the cross, right? He went through the, the hardship and the pain and the struggles because of the joy that was ahead of him. See, on many occasions, the real pain or situation is masked by a rehearsed facial expression or statement that goes like this, that God is good. And that, well, God is good all the time. I, I'm blessed, I'm, I'm highly favoured, right? You know, we're just professing positive things continuously. See, Paul is given a command here in what is the shortest verse in, in the Greek New Testament. He's saying rejoice always. That The Greek literally translated as always rejoice. The emphasis in, is on the always. There's, it's not saying, you know, now, today. It's in every day. Choose. Make a decision. It's a commandment. Choose to rejoice whatever comes your way. It's a call to, to, to rejoice. See, it was coming for the early Christians to greet each other. They would, the greetings would often, in the Bible it would say greetings, but in the Greek it's saying rejoice. So it's a salutation. So in fact, when they met each other, they, they said rejoice. When they left, they said rejoice. It's an encouragement that, look, I don't know, I might not see you tomorrow, or as I'm going now, something may happen. I'm saying rejoice, rejoice in Christ. 
stay focused, stay in tune with, with Christ, stay in, in that flow of rejoicing. See, Paul had this in abundance. If we, if we read Philippians, we see 16 times he talks about rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. He mentions it continuously. So what was Paul encouraging the Christians in Thessalonica to rejoice always about? You see, they were facing persecution as, as new Christians. They, they'd left their former way of life. They'd, uh, they're now, they're now pronouncing and proclaiming Jesus Christ as their king. They faced opposition and the persecution of, of those that were around at the time. And he's saying rejoice, you know, though you're having to flee, though you're suffering, though you're, you've left everything that you've had, he's saying rejoice, count it all joy, as we were reminded in James. See, Paul is echoing the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, 11 to 12. He's saying, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on your account, on my account. He says, rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven. So, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This happened and it will continue to happen. See, Jesus' encouragement to you today is to continue, is to rejoice daily as we anticipate our future reward. The glory that's to come, it doesn't comprehend to what we'll go through here on earth. We're going to face persecution. We're going to face testing times. We're going to face... Moments where we are weak, where we're tired. But he's calling us to rejoice even in those times. He's calling us to lift up our face and lift up our eyes to the hills for where does our help come from? Our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. See, Paul knows more than most the meaning of rejoicing. He was imprisoned frequently, flogged more more, more severely, he had 39 lashes, 39 lashes from the Jews. He was exiled. I mean, he was shipwrecked. I mean, night and day, three times. Imagine the Titanic, three times experiencing that. Three times beaten with rods, stoned, encountered danger upon danger, yet... I say to you, rejoice. Rejoice, I say. Rejoice. See, it's interesting that Paul often writes first and foremost of his joy in Jesus. In whatever situation he's facing, he understands what true joy is. You can't commend someone else to rejoice if you don't know what joy is, if you haven't experienced joy, if you're not rejoicing yourself. He had suffered, he was shamely, treated at Philippi, yet he still made the decision to go on to Thessalonica, to go and to share the gospel of Christ with these people. That's got to be joy. He didn't allow what he was experiencing to stop him from sharing the gospel, from doing what God has called him to do. That was not a hindrance to his walk. That was not a hindrance to him calling upon the name of the Lord. That was not a hindrance to him being a witness and being a signpost for Christ, to saying, Jesus Christ lives in me. And he is my joy. You see, the array of encounters and near-death experiences only serve to increase Paul's resolve and joy. You see, Paul knew the sufferings that Jesus endured to bring the salvation to the lost. 
and that he too must suffer in order that Jesus may be made known and that he may be a witness and that Jesus may, that he's, the name of Jesus and his gospel, the good news, may spread amongst the nations. See, Paul wrote most of, of these books even whilst he was in prison. Whilst in a dingy prison, he had joy. See, Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. What was he saying? What was Jesus talking about? In the, the, the verses that preclude that, he was saying about him being the vine, and the, the God, God being the vine dresser, and how we are plugged into him, and we are branches, and the life of God, the very life of God flows but if we don't bear fruit, what happens? That, that branch is cut off. So I ask you today, what, what, what fruit are you bearing? See, every branch that does not bear fruit is taken away, it's thrown away. It's thrown into the fire and burned. See, Jesus must abide in us and us in him. How do we have the joy of Christ in us? What is Jesus talking about, him being a vine? Well, he's talking about two things, really. He goes on to say in that John chapter 15, he talks about abiding in the love. If he is, he, the Father has loved the Son. The Son loves the Father. And he's saying, abide in my love. Grow in intimacy with me. Grow in understanding of who I am. Grow in love of me. Abide in my love. That's how we grow in the joy in the joy of Christ. It then goes on to talk about obeying. It said, do my commandments. As Jesus obeyed the commandments of the Father, he found joy in obeying what the Father had, had planned for him from the beginning of time to be the Savior. He found joy in that and the sufferings for the joy that was set before him to obey Christ, to obey the Father. He's encouraging us to obey, to fulfill and to obey his commandments also. To abide in love and to abide in his, in, in his commandments. Then our joy will be full. See, how do we rejoice always? See, the Holy Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. We know from Galatians 5 that joy is a fruit. And you can't just conjure this up and say to someone, to be joyful. You know, yes, we talked about the greetings before, right? The rejoice. But when someone's going through something and you just say, come on, rejoice, cheer up. <laughs> you know how that just hits someone. It's, it's not something that you can just, by the click of the fingers, cause it to occur or to be birthed in someone. It takes the work of the Spirit of God to do that. It really does. It involves knowing and understanding the promises and the truth of Jesus for us. And his finished work of redemption. When we understand the work of Christ on the cross, saving sinners like us, saving us from our old way of life, we don't deserve, we don't deserve mercy, we don't deserve grace, but he has chosen to offer it to us. He died on the cross for our sins. And when we understand that, we can have joy. We can understand that who else would have done that? Who sticks closer to us? Only someone has died for you. Who, can, who will never leave you or forsake you? Only someone who has died for you. Who has chosen to suffer because of you. We must sing hymns regularly. 
something about singing hymns. Paul and Silas in the prison, they prayed and they sang. They prayed and they sang. And it's, there's something about singing hymns that lifts up your spirit and produces joy. Because you're not singing of yourself. You're, you're not just singing any song that is being sung secularly, secularly in, in the world, essentially. But you're singing joy. You're, you're singing words that bring joy to you because you're singing about God. You're praising his name. You're lifting up his name. When we sing those songs like, it is well with my soul. Those those, those hymns that they, people that have written them have gone through some stuff. For them to say, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffet me. It is well with my soul. Whatever challenges I face in 2020, it is well with my soul. Because my soul is not just here, right? It's, there is eternity to come. We're, we're, we're sojourners. And we must pray that the Holy Spirit actually increases joy in us. There are times that it's very difficult and it's, you're, you're just tired and you're weak. In those times we must get on our knees and pray. Seek the face of the Lord. Lord, increase your joy in me. Increase the measure of your joy in me. And that leads us to our second point, to pray always in Jesus. See here, Paul states another commandment to pray without ceasing. Always pray. Pray always. What type of prayer is this? Is this the type of prayer that's long prayers? Is he saying that we should engage in hours and hours of prayers? Um, maybe, maybe not. But I don't think that's, that's his emphasis here. What is evident here is that Paul is commanding us firstly to pray. See, these people of uh, Thessalonica faced trouble as they were accused of denying Jesus, as we said earlier, uh, denying the, the, the present king because they had a new king, Jesus. They were facing persecution from their Greek neighbours. And Paul is saying, in this difficulty, cry out to the Lord, pray, seek the Lord's face. See, to seek God within their trouble he was, he was calling them to embrace God and to call out to the sovereign God. See, the line of communication must always be open. There are times when it's, it's really difficult, but we must know God's word is to always to run into God's presence. Out, whatever the situation may be that causes us to, to refrain and not attend church or not be part of the fellowship of the people or to come into God's presence. Whatever it is, we must fight it and ask for grace. Lord, to, Lord, help me pray. The Bible talks about how we don't know how to pray. In those times, some words may even be lost. You don't know what to say. Cry out. Cry out unto the Lord. The Lord hears. Pray. Seek his face. See, the people of Thessalonica were commended by Paul in the previous verses that they should be holy and to keep their sexual purity and to be committed to loving and to serving others. See, as new believers, they, they were washed by the blood of Jesus, but the temptation was still there to return to their former way of life. See, we know too well that as Christians that we are, we are saved, but there is a sanctification process. 
There is a, a work that Jesus continues to do to strip us of those impurities. And we need to pray. We need to seek God. We need to continue to, to come before him. We need to communicate to him. It, prayer is, is, sometimes we, we make it so complicated. I think I make it so complicated. It's like you're just talking to your father. You're just talking to someone that you love. You know, it's like you just, your, your, your spouse, you just want to be in their presence and talk to them all the time. But often we don't do that because we, there's so many reasons, right? There's tiredness or we don't have our, the correct understanding of what prayer is. We feel like sometimes we may have to use those big words in order to communicate with the Father. We don't. We just need to be ourselves. Be open and be real. See, the context here is to pray always. This sounds impossible. It really does. And we may be thinking, this day and age of social media, temptation just dragging us here and there, work, family life, church, everything. It's, it's like, how do we have time to pray continuously? Well, I think what Paul firstly is saying is to pray often. Wherever we are, we can be at work. We can use our time in the car. I do about 50 minutes to work. Sometimes it's great to just put on the music and just start praying. Use those times of you know, commuting on the train to pray, to seek God's face. Pray before food. Pray as you're putting your little one to bed. Use every moment possible to communicate with your father, the one that you love. You see, Jesus told the parable about the persistent widow. And this is what he says. He told them parable to the fact that they ought always to pray and not to lose heart. See, there was a, in, in, a, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, right? But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, she keeps coming, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not the God that gives justice to his let, who, who cried to you, you cry to day by day and night, will he, not, will, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Those who come before the Lord, those who are persistent like this widow, who just continuously keep knocking on that door. See, Jesus clearly demonstrates in this parable that the need to offer persistent praise to God and to not stop or to to, to give up seeking the Lord. So in the same vein, Paul is saying here in verse 17, he's saying to those who are oppressed, those who have been mistreated, those who have been misaligned, misunderstood, persecuted because of their faith in Jesus, that don't fear what tomorrow is going to bring. Loss of work, Sickness, car troubles, disappointments, even death. Continue to pray, continue to seek the Lord. 
Don't stop communicating with God. Don't run away from his presence. Run to him. Only he can help. You see, the, the theme of the book of Thessalonians, Paul is trying to address something about the day of the Lord when Jesus returns. And they, for a moment, the, the people there are misguided about when Jesus would return because there's been pe- loads of people going around and saying, yeah, it's around the corner, and they're predicting when Jesus would return, right? But Paul continues to assure them that their, that their faith in Jesus, that, sorry, that Paul wanted to assure them concerning their fate that on Jesus' return that, that, that they needed to anticipate his return, but in prayer, continuously coming before to not worry about what people were saying that Jesus is going to return it it, it created a fear in them but he was calling them to pray to seek God's face you see praying always praying often and frequently will keep us coming to God's presence you see in his presence is fullness of joy that's what the Bible says see how do we pray frequently We need to pray and thank God on waking up in the morning. It sounds so simple, but every day that we wake up, His mercies are new. It's, uh, it's an opportunity to pray. We need to pray for the food and the sustenance that He gives us. We need to pray whilst commuting, as we said. We need song-led prayers. Things, we need to break out in spontaneous singing. Begin to pray from the joy of our heart when joy is truly in our heart it overflows into prayer we just begin to pray and thank the Lord and, and continue to praise his name and, and, and out to the joy that is within us we pray things according to God's will because we're doing God's will because we are rejoicing always because we are praying always we need to pray with the community of believers we need to come together we need to come at the 9.15 however difficult that seems to come before church to pray even whatever week we've had, how stressful. We need to come together because we can strengthen each other. How do we know about the, the, the prayers that we need to offer as a community of believers? How do we know the struggles that people are going through if we don't pray together? We need to pray in times of difficulties. That's the main, that's, that's even more time we need to come before the Lord. Pray in the good, pray in the bad times. We need to pray real prayers. Sometimes we... We think that God doesn't know what's in our heart. Actually, he knows it all. We just need to be real. Sometimes we're struggling. Just be open and say, Lord, help me. I need your grace. I need your enablement right here. I need your hand. I need your strength. I need you to pick me up. Pray for others when we see that they're weak. Pray on their behalf that the Lord will strengthen them. Pray from the heart. Let's not do lip service. Let's not leave here and say, I'm going to pray more in 2020. Let's seek to, to pray and, to, and to, be, be, to prioritize prayer. There's many things that we can use. There's apps available. There's things that we can use. And there's ways we can come together to pray and say, can you hold me account in prayer? Can we pray together? Can you call me up on a Friday and say, how often have you prayed this week? This is us as a fellowship. 
We need to be disciplined in prayer life, as well as those times of spontaneous praying where we just break out and praying and thanking the Lord. We need to set times. We need to. If we don't, the day will fly by. Something will take your attention. Something will drag you away. You need to set times during the day, in the morning, the evening, the afternoon, lunchtime, before you eat, 10 minutes before you have your lunch, before you chat with your friends or call someone on the phone. Prioritise it. See, prayer makes us dependent on God. If we don't pray, then we're just saying that we can do everything ourselves. You know, we, we can get to A to B by ourselves. Actually, it's only the grace of God. Accidents happen anytime. We need to pray even when we get to the, into the car. Lord, guide my journey. Lord, I'm traveling here. Lord, be with me. Lord, help me. And finally, we see to give thanks always in Jesus. See, all these three things are linked to, to rejoice always, to pray always, to give thanks always. So you can't give thanks without knowing and rejoicing in Jesus and knowing what Jesus has accomplished for you. See, when you know how much you've been forgiven, the filth that Jesus has removed from you, from me, out what is bore, what is taken on, then we truly understand what it means to be thankful. See, only joy and, and gratitude can result from those that are truly saved. Those who have Jesus, those who have their joy been tucked up and, and been made full in the age to come. See, true converts give thanks out of the abundance and out of the overflow, the joy in our hearts. Jesus said, as we previously read in, in, Matthew, um, in Matthew chapter 5, that's what he was talking about, that, it, that our joy would be full. See, what ties our rejoicing and our thankfulness together is prayer. Prayer is the vehicle by which we offer up praise, by which we thank God. What's the use of being thankful to God without articulating ourselves and saying, I thank you, Lord, without praising his name? You know, we can have our spouse and we can really just be so grateful for them being in our lives. But if we don't appreciate them with, with deeds, with words, they don't know it. They may have a sense, but we need to show and to say it, to pray to the Lord, lift up his name and thank him. See, when we face moments of anxiety and worry, which may come in 2020, it will come. We will face trying moments and testing times. See, Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. See, do not worry ever. Do not worry ever. He said, but come to him in prayer with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. He's saying that, I know you're human, right? And uh, don't be anxious, but actually you will be anxious because you are human. But come with your petitions and your requests. It's thanksgiving. Be appreciative of what God has done. See, Paul is saying to give thanks in the midst of anxiety. Is that possible? Can we, in those times that will come, can we give thanks to him? What seems impossible is it is possible. He says, you, you, I mean, you may be worried about whether a loved one will, will come to faith or in 2020, someone you've been praying about 
will they come to know the Lord? Another decade is coming. I mean, there's things you may have been praying about for the last two, three, four, five years. You haven't seen them materialize. How can we give thanks in those times? You see, some of the reasons why we can be grateful is because we can thank God because he is sovereign and with him, nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. Those things we're looking to God for, he can do them. He may not answer them the way that we want to, but we can be thankful that he knows what's best. His answer is perfect. Our, it may not be the way we want them, but his ways are greater. As far as the heavens are from the earth, so is his ways different from our ways. His answer is different from our answers, but he's, he is perfect. He knows the end from the beginning. He is the beginning and he is the end. He knows all things. So we worry about the in-between. We worry about how is life going to look like in 2020. And Lord, I'm seeking you for this. I'm seeking you for that. But the Lord is saying that just rejoice in me. Rejoice always. Pray always. Give thanks always. We can thank God that he's working everything out according to his perfect timetable. We can thank God that his call is effectual. Those people that we are seeking for, that the Lord will bring them to, his call is effectual. God will do his work in his own time. And he will hold his people fast. You may be worried, where am I right now in 2019? I haven't prayed enough. I haven't, I haven't been close to God. My intimacy with God is not as I, I, I prayed at the beginning of the year or I'm struggling right now. Be rest assured that God is able to keep you. He has promised that he is able to keep you. So rejoice in that. Be thankful in that. It's not by our works. It's not by our power. It's not by our might. We can't do these things. We can only trust in him. Have our joy in him. And be thankful for these things. We can thank God for all the promises. All the promises of God. Find the yes in Jesus. They find the yes. That is why whatever we're going through, we know his promises remain. He will never leave nor forsake you. He will be by your side. He is a mighty to save, mighty to deliver. Lift up your heads, all you gates. Lift them up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord is strong, who is mighty in battle. He will fight your battles for you in 2020. Those things that look insurmountable, those things that may come your way that look like it's a struggle, the Lord will fight for you if you trust in him. You see, our thankfulness is not dependent on the outcome of the situation. Our thanksgiving is built on God's goodness, his everlasting and steadfast love. The situation may or may not result in the way we desire, but in the process, God is cultivating a heart of gratitude. He's cultivating a heart that rejoices in him, that continues to be filled with joy more and more each day. What comes your way is tupping it up with more joy as you seek to pray, as you seek to do his will. You see, we, in the age to come, that's what we will be doing. Praising, rejoicing, being thankful, bowing down. Holy, 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 holy is our God. And 
whilst, whilst we're here. Let us start that. Let's start cultivating that. Let's start that heart of gratitude and rejoicing and thankfulness. See, in the process of thankfulness, our hearts and focus actually shifts from the situation. It shifts from the situation and it, it goes firmly onto God himself. I don't know what 2020 will bring. Our family, maybe for your family, for your friends, for relatives, for your neighbours, for our church. But the only way we can ever prepare for it is to really to fix our minds on what God's will is for us. God's will for us, for me, I, I used to think, oh, God's wanting this great thing to happen every year. Some people, some people will say, 2020 is going to be your, your year to shine. 2020 is going to be your year to overcome. I can't say those things. I can say 2020, rejoice always. Pray always. Be thankful always. Whatever comes your way, be glad. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice. See, thankfulness is totally linked to joy. The, the, the word itself, thanksgiving, eucharistia, is the derivative is kara, which is joy. The, the two goes hand in hand. And Jesus, the perfect example, gives thanks five times in the New Testament. First of all, in Luke chapter 10, 21, he gives thanks that God conceals and reveals his gospel even to those he chooses. Not to those who are wise in their own eyes, but to those who are humble. Those who humble themselves before the Lord and receive the gospel of grace through Christ Jesus. He gives thanks before feeding the 5,000. He's thankful for the provisions of God. He gives thanks in difficult moments. We remember Lazarus in the time the sisters had called Jesus and he's given thanks during that time. In, in the time of death, he's given thanks. When he's about to off, be offered up and to suffer for us, and he gathers his disciples, and he raises up the cup, he gives thanks. The bread, he gives thanks. Yet knowing the suffering that's to come. When this, see Psalms 100 says this Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. We are to make joyful sounds unto the Lord. To join with the mountains and the seas. They're all shouting and praising the living God. We are to serve and to worship God with gladness. Whatever we go through. Yet our service, our attitude, is rooted in the joy of Christ. 
See, God is totally all-sovereign, all-knowing, all-powerful. He knows it all. We don't need to fear. We do fear because we're human, but we can surrender those fears before God. We can be so real and say, Lord, this is how I'm feeling. This is what's happening in my heart. You see it, oh God, help me. I trust in you. For you will not leave me. You will not forsake me. And we must enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. I say that you have given me the opportunity to come into your presence. That's a great privilege that we have. That the living God is our God. And we can come boldly into his presence. So coming to that gate is a, it's like, I'm sad right now, but I'm leaving it. And I'm coming to your presence with thanksgiving. And my situation may still be the same when I come into your presence, but your presence will surely, I will find joy there. I will come, I will offer up my praise, I will sing of your praises, I will lift up my voice, because you are God and you are God alone. That is the promise, that is the assurance that we have, that we can continue to come into his presence boldly. Because we have a high priest, he has seen it all, he has been through it all. He has suffered. He has, he has shown himself perfect in all situations. So let's come into his presence. Despite whatever we may face in 2020, let us know that ours is to rejoice always, to pray always, and to give thanks always. Amen.